0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Welcome to New Books in Law, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm Nick Posick, and today I'm speaking with Daniel Horowitz, author of Entertaining Entrepreneurs, Reality TV Shark Tank, and the American Dream in Uncertain Times, from the University of North Carolina Press. This book examines how the image of entrepreneurship presented in the hit reality TV show Shark Tank disguises and distorts the opportunities and traps of capitalism. It charts the rise of the cult of the entrepreneur from the rubble of the economic crisis to its place as a mainstay in American culture. Daniel Horowitz, thank you for joining me on New Books and Law. I'm thrilled to have you on the podcast.
0: Glad to be here, Nick.
1: Your recent book um, is titled Entertaining Entrepreneurs, Reality TV's Shark Tank and the American Dream in Uncertain Times. For those that might not be familiar with Shark Tank, it's an unscripted television show in which entrepreneurs deliver business presentations to a panel of investors or sharks. Uh, These sharks then ask probing questions to decide whether or not um, to invest in each of these entrepreneurs' companies. Um, And this Book uses Shark Tank as a point of departure for a larger examination of the image of the entrepreneur in our cultural imagination. Uh, Why is this image so popular and why is it so important? This image
0: of the Shark Tank and the entrepreneur? Well, yes. So Shark Tank uh, first appeared uh, in early August uh, 2009, uh, a little less than a year after the collapse of Lehman Brothers. Uh, So it appeared at a time when uh, Americans, tens of millions of Americans, were experiencing uncertainty, uh, and Shark Tank and specifically and entrepreneurship more generally uh, offered to viewers uh, a, a sense that they too could thrive even in the most uncertain of times, that by connecting them, pitching to and connecting themselves with wealthy entrepreneurs uh, who would mentor them and provide them with investment capital, uh, they could turn their fledgling company into something wildly
1: successful. Sure, and you said that it amplifies the power of uh, neoliberalism as a force that has transformed the world that we live in.
0: Ah, neoliberalism, a term social scientists, cultural critics, and others used to explain uh, what's happened in the last forty years in America and many developed countries—the erosion of social welfare systems and the strengthening of reliance on individual initiative—that is not reliance on government but on self-governance. Uh, and we can usually think of this uh, neoliberalism. That something emerges as something that emerges in the late nineteen-sixties, uh, early seventies. Uh, when a combination of uh, events—Watergate, Watergate, excuse me—the energy crisis, stagflation, uh, the actions of powerful uh, conservatives in their organizations, globalization, technological change over time undermined uh, the commitment to government action and called on people to be self-reliant, independent. In other words, to embrace entrepreneurship, and then. Uh, after, well after the 1970s, when this began, the Great Recession of 2007 and eight intensified interest in how entrepreneurship held out such abundant hope uh, in a neoliberal way uh, that people could take advantage uh, of what they saw on Shark Tank as both
1: entertainment and education. Mm. So write, write this book and write this book now.
0: So, uh, <laughs> I jokingly say, and there's an ounce of truth in it, uh, when I get tired in the middle of the afternoon and take a break from work, uh, I often become a couch potato uh, and distract myself by watching television. My wife of 57 years says that if I continue to watch Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer and even write books about them, uh, that she'll divorce me. Uh, so that's the mundane reason. But in a larger sense, Shark Tank intrigued me because throughout my long professional career, uh, I've been interested in the relationship between popular culture, politics, and the economy. And Shark Tank seemed in, uh, as an ideal entry point into an exploration of a whole series of larger issues that I think drive a contemporary American culture not just in Silicon Valley, where venture capitalism is so powerful, but in one's own community, providing hope uh, to millions of people that they too can achieve the American dream. Ironically, even though the show itself uh, originated in Japan, uh, that's the original franchise developed by Sony, and has on offer versions in dozens of other countries. But I'm just interested in the American. Sure, and
1: this book goes well beyond the television show itself, as you said. It's um, you did a lot of field work um, in order to create a more to make, create a broader picture of entrepreneurship in America. Could you tell our listeners about some of the work that you've done on that?
0: Yeah, so some extent, what I did was uh, the ordinary stuff that any historian. Uh, I, excuse me, would do. I went to the library, I went online, I uh, read books, Uh, but I also interviewed probably 100 people, Uh, most of them viewers, but also some some insiders in uh, what is called in LA the industry, Uh, even though no one associated with the show would talk to me for reasons I can understand. Uh, Part of the field work I did was going to university campuses, uh, where entrepreneurship uh, dominates. I went uh, in the Boston suburb of Wellesley to Babson College, which more than any other higher education institution focuses on entrepreneurship. For a full semester, I uh, audited two courses on entrepreneurship uh, at the Marshall School of Business at University of Southern California. But my absolute favorite uh, field work was that twice I entered the world of aspiring young entrepreneurs uh, as a judge in Northern California, in East Bay, uh, for a high school competition? Uh, perhaps a thousand uh, high school students, most of them had watched Shark Tank, uh, uh, even though uh, the, uh, the high school iteration was very different from the reality TV one. And that experience, which I really love doing. I I sat at a table uh, and a high school student would come up to me. It was very scripted and say, I want to open a pet grooming store in my hometown and I'm seeking help for you. Uh, And I would respond by asking them questions and then evaluate them. Uh, It was really a great deal of fun and very exciting. But it drove home to me How widespread is the influence of Shark Tank, specifically, and entrepreneurship generally, from competitions, uh, obviously at places like Harvard and Columbia Business School, but also even in third grade classrooms. Uh, And I love getting a picture of that uh, when I went in San Ramon, California, uh, to uh, over a weekend uh, and and uh, met these. ambitious high school students, and then talked to them, interviewed some of them uh, later about what they had done and what they aspired. Sure. And how did you wrangle all of this into a book? Uh, well, to the extent I can, I threaded uh, the book with some of the personal uh, experiences. I, you know, I wanted, in writing this book and others, it's hard for a historian to do, uh, but I wanted to get a uh, a more general, reach a more general audience than many historians do. I try my best uh, to write accessible prose, avoiding uh, fancy words. Uh, I try, uh, and it's something historians are doing more and more. Uh, we're supposed to be neutral observers that stand outside the story, uh, but I try to inject myself into it uh, by talking in the preface about my own ambivalence about uh, what I was seeing on television, uh, but also uh, through these discussions of, of uh, uh, my fieldwork of a high school exper- experiencing entrepreneurship at the high school level, uh, I tried to convey some of the richness uh, of uh, this experience, not only my experience, uh, but those of uh, high school students. So it's, a, it's a, not an easy thing. I mean, you, I, I go from uh, a deeply scholarly literature and discussing it, uh, and then talk also about a third grade competition.
1: Can you say more about how you think about your audience? Because while the book is grounded in a very scholarly approach, your writing often it gets kind of witty, and it's really this book is um, infinitely readable. It's really just. Um it's a fun piece to read with and engage with. Um, and how do you how do you find that balance? Uh,
0: I work hard at it. Uh, I really appreciate what you say. I, I I'm glad you think I achieved it. I uh, tried to do it. Um, it's an interesting process. Uh, there were some times when uh, the copy editor for the book didn't want me to use my own uh, voice, but I insisted on, Uh, on doing so. Uh, A reviewer of an earlier book talked about my performed neutrality as a writer. Uh, And I try, I do my best both to get inside the minds, uh, the worldviews of entrepreneurs, especially the people on Shark Tank, but also to stand aside, sometimes wittily, sometimes critically, sometimes both, uh, and think about what I'm reading and convey to an audience uh, the excitement, uh, but also the problems uh, with uh, what Shark Tank and, more generally, entrepreneurship reveals.
1: Sure. And what are some of those problems?
0: Well, uh, uh, race, class, and gender are pro- and immigration are prominent uh, among them. Uh, so let me uh, talk about uh, that. Uh, the sharks themselves, so there, on any given show, there are five sharks, sometimes a guest one. Uh, but uh, the sharks themselves, uh, the panel, the normal panel from which the five are derived, are a diverse cast of characters. Uh, two women, uh, one African-American, two Canadians, both of whose lives were deeply shaped by immigration, one Jew, a couple of Roman Catholics. So the Sharks are relatively diverse and they have, uh, the producers of the show have, uh, by bringing on people like Alex Rodriguez, uh, have tried to bring Latinos on as well. Uh, yet uh, there are limits to the representativeness of uh, the, the, uh, what the show represents. You may know that something like 43%, an astonishing number of companies in the Fortune five hundred that is the biggest American companies, were founded or co-founded by an immigrant or the child of an immigrant. And among the top 35 companies uh, in the fortunes list, that share is 57%. Uh, However, on the show, although it's not clear to me, uh, there's no data I can find except impressionistic data, uh, surely there's much lower percentage of uh, pitchers, that is, uh, people who appear and pitch their companies on the show, a much lower percentage than 43 uh, or 57 who are uh, immigrants. Moreover, the identities of the pitchers in other ways, pitchers is the word I use about the contestants, underscore how unrepresentative is the World Shark Tank pictures. Women show up but not uh, in proportion to their place in the population. Uh, And moreover, they generally pitch uh, products and companies that, if I can stereotype, we might think of as uh, gendered, Uh, that is, uh, educational food, whereas men are much more likely than women uh, to pitch uh, technologically-oriented projects. Even more striking is that Asian-Americans and less frequently African-Americans take the stage with almost no Latino men or women, or perhaps I should say, with almost no Latinx men or women appearing as pitchers. Moreover, uh, although women are relatively well represented as contestants, uh, they uh, are disproportionately underrepresented as winners. And I might add, it's impossible, uh, given there's no data on this and one can only guess, impossible to ascertain the percentage of LGBTQ among contestants. I suspect uh, it's lower than the population. I've never seen uh, an openly gay or lesbian uh, contestant appear. Uh, That's one set of problems. And here's another. Uh, Entrepreneurship in general, and Shark Tank uh, specifically, uh, emphasize the independence, the individualism uh, of entrepreneurs, that they operate without the help of government or community support. But we know, and it's certainly true of Silicon Valley, we know what a profound role uh, the federal government interventions have played in fostering uh, innovation uh, in America and certainly in the development of the web uh, and in so many other ways. So there's a contrast between the picture on Shark Tank and in general, the pictures about entrepreneurship, uh, a contrast between the kind of lone entrepreneur, although very often uh, husbands and wives, uh, uh, parents and children, uh, siblings appear. A a contrast between the lone uh, entrepreneur, heroic in character, uh, and the reality that entrepreneurs operate in a context that is profoundly shaped by the government, by the society, by the culture.
1: Sure. And how does that image go on to become a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy about Entrepreneurship.
0: Yeah, I, so you're absolutely right. It's not just the show itself, uh, but in the literature of entrepreneurship, in the autobiographies of the the sharks and the founder of the show, Mark Burnett, uh, the focus is all on uh, I did it, I did it alone, drawing on traditions uh, going back to Norman Vincent Peale or the Horatio, even earlier to the Horatio Alger novels, I did it, uh, I did it alone. Uh, and that sense of the heroic entrepreneur, which is so prevalent uh, in our society and certainly central uh, to neoliberalism, uh, that image suffuses uh, discussions and treatments of entrepreneurship, uh, even though it's provides a distorted uh, image of reality.
1: So in the book, you talk about Mark Burnett as being this catalyzing force and bringing together this image of Shark Tank. Do you think that is that he has a disproportionate role in shaping our collective vision of entrepreneurship, or do you think it's something else?
0: Oh, no, I think his uh, power to shape our culture has been immense. So uh, Mark Burnett, a British-born uh but a british born working class guy who comes uh, gets off the plane in la at lax with supposedly as stories like this go just uh 100 dollars or so in his pocket uh and a friend meets him and says uh i've got a interview for you tonight uh, to be a nanny in beverly hills what he says but he goes and convinces this wealthy family that they get on um, not only a nanny But uh, he, as a member of an elite, uh, or once a member of an elite British paratrooper force, they also get someone in security. Uh, uh, He goes on to uh, develop a whole series of shows, but the ones most people will be familiar with uh, are Survivor and The Apprentice. And so Shark Tank is really the third in that series. And what all those shows uh, reveal or share is a Darwinian worldview in which the fittest or maybe perhaps more appropriately, the most ambitious struggle to survive. And though the politics of the Sharks and Burnett are hardly so simple, uh, it should not uh, come as a surprise that the show's vision uh, shares much with libertarianism. After all, Mark Cuban has a yacht uh, named for the title of Ayn Rand's uh, famous book, The Fountainhead, uh, so that the uh, the show, like entrepreneurship, like Burnett's autobiography, celebrates on liberty, independence, uh, as virtues that will help rescue Americans in perilous times.
1: Do you think that's a little grim? <laughs>
0: Well, here's what strikes me. Uh, in, in writing the book, I also uh, uh, read, uh, I had read some of it, of course. I had read a whole series of books about how inequality, incarceration, racism, and the breakdown of communities play such prominent roles in contemporary America. And I really worked to in the book to juxtapose Uh, the view that the entrepreneurial vision uh, with what I consider a more accurate position of American life that prominent social scientists and journalists have uh, recently offered. And remember that the title of the book is uh, Entertaining uh, Entrepreneurs. And I started out, the working title initially had the word education in it. And I came to think over time that entertainment and education were two prominent features of uh, Shark Tank. But ultimately, uh, I, I came to understand uh, the show, uh, Shark Tank, as entertainment. Uh, that is, they are, to be sure, the sharks themselves are skilled and wealthy. Mark Cuban worth several billion dollars skilled and wealthy uh, entrepreneurs themselves. But they're also, if anyone who's watched the show knows, they're also very um, clever uh, actors who weren't trained as actors. But Mark Burnett had an extraordinary eye for picking people who could be uh, powerful and vivid on television. You said, and this is a different issue, but I do want to talk about it. You said originally that it's an unscripted show, and that's very true. There is no script, but it is nonetheless a highly edited show. And what we see on television, the eight or 10 minute sequence of any uh, pitch competition, what we see on television is distilled from an hour, two hours of film that come long after. The the contestants have been trained and polished uh, in order to appear on stage. So yes, it's unscripted, but no, as I reveal uh, in the book, it's a very uh, carefully, brilliantly uh, edited uh, performance that we're seeing.
1: It's true. It's highly produced and interestingly at odds with a lot of what entrepreneurship is right? Entrepreneurship is very much about making experiments, maybe having some mess with that. Uh, what was that Facebook expression, uh, moving fast and breaking things? Yes.
0: Yes. Oh no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the literature on entrepreneurship, the percentage of people that fail, uh, the difficulty, uh, any entrepreneur has of both founding a company and then leading it later. Uh, into its becoming a mature corporation. The surprises, the unexpected things uh, that happen, all of that, uh, are, all of those are characteristics of entrepreneurship and reality. But the show itself, at least what we see on television and the pictures uh, we get to some extent of the, uh, of the sharks are, it wasn't so hard. They're autobiographies to be sure emphasize the long uh, uh, road with its ups and downs. But what we see on television doesn't convey any of the difficulty, the surprises, the unexpected, uh, the initial failures, etc.
1: And you note that each of the sharks has a very carefully crafted biography or a careful narrative that they've created of themselves.
0: Yes, absolutely. Each of them, Mark Cuban least so, but each of them has written a series of books uh, and each of them has created, and I, I don't think these stories are untrue, uh, they're just carefully crafted. They, uh, their rise from uh, nothing to the end, uh, excuse me, certainly with Robert Herkovic, Barbara Corcoran and Damon John, three of the six sharks, their extraordinary rise uh, from, uh, uh, poverty to the heights, uh, of, uh, American, North American, uh, successful entrepreneurship. Their biographies, as is true of Burnett's itself, are very carefully, uh, crafted, uh, as kind of a a very familiar genre, uh, of, uh, how I made it, uh, how I got from nothing to everything in a way, uh, that, uh, uh, un- unlike, as you know, the, the autobiography of Langone, uh, the founder, one of the founders of Home Depot, uh, who says, I could fill Yankee Stadium with the people who make my life possible. Uh, and the sharks themselves in their autobiographies uh, uh, or in their stories uh, pay some attention to the people, but by and large, they're heroic stories of their rise.
1: No man is an island. Yes. Well, so what's coming next for you or what are you working on right now? And what is coming um, down the pike?
0: You know, I'm hunkered like uh, most of the people I assume were listening to me. I'm hunkered down, uh, uh, socially distanced. I, I haven't been within six feet of anyone, but my wife in uh, months and months. Uh, but at, creates conditions under which uh, to fill my days, I go on. So uh, Entertaining Entrepreneurs is the second of what I think of as three books on early contemporary, excuse me, uh, <clears throat> second of uh, three books on early 21st century American culture. The first was titled Happier, the History of a Cultural Movement that, that Aspired to Transform America, came out a couple of years ago. But now, retired from teaching and hunkered down, I have been working away on a third on the impact of the Great Recession on real estate, residential real estate. I started all this uh, well before the pandemic hit, uh, but that horrible, tragic event that is shaping all of our lives has prompted me and others, and I think here Fareed Zakaria, uh, to wonder if this current crisis is one of a series in the early 20th century of crises that will challenge, if not actually undermine, neoliberalism. If, uh, through no fault of your own, uh, you have to rely on the government to prevent you from starving, from losing your home, and to offer or develop a vaccine, it becomes clear that there's some limits to self-reliance. I think both the, the Great Recession and the pandemic have driven home to tens of millions of people uh, that uh, government and communities are as important uh, as self-reliance.
1: That's a great note to end on. Yes, thank you. For our listeners that are interested in following your work, uh, where can they go to learn more?
0: To find out more about me and my work generally, just Google Daniel Horowitz, my
1: name, and Smith
0: College, uh, and then you'll see my Smith College uh, website and under it on the lower right is a personal website. Click on that. You'll find out more than you want to know about me. Uh, and if you want to read my book, Entertaining Entrepreneurs, it was published by the University of North Carolina Press and is available through their website, of course, Amazon uh, and your local book.
1: It's a great stocking stuffer. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on New Books in Law and stay safe. Nick, I so appreciate you're
0: a wonderful interviewer.